good morning, everybody, and welcome to Calvary Chapel Alpharetta. Here's our new normal for an extended season. Miss seeing every one of you physically, but it's been awesome to be able to see your faces and, and interact with you through Zoom. So again, we will continue those meetings throughout this week, but we are going to start something new. So it's Saturday afternoon for me as I'm recording this, so tomorrow morning at 9 when we gather together physically, we've always had a time of meeting together at pr for prayer at 9 a.m., so we're going to continue that. Um, so if you watch this before then or if you get the email before then, I want to extend that invitation to everybody. This is for husbands and wives and singles and kids as we come together and pray as a body. So we'll have that Zoom meeting there and not just praying together, but we'll take communion together also. So if you happen to miss this on Sunday the 5th, then we're going to keep this going until we get to meet together physically. So we'll also do this uh, next Sunday, which is going to be Easter. So, and then throughout the week, we'll continue the Zoom meeting. So on Monday night is the marriage class, Tuesday night, the students, Wednesday night, the men, Thursday night, uh, the ladies are meeting. And then again, next Sunday, we'll be back into the same routine in the same cycle um, until we have further direction. I know for me, uh, my work, we are not going back into the office until May 29th uh, for the kids in, in schools. School's been canceled physically for the rest of the year. Just a lot of impact, but we want to make sure that we continue to put forth the diligent effort to reach out to one another. So I was seeking the Lord today, just really specifically in what he would have me do to serve you and to serve him in this week that's known as Holy Week. So tomorrow or depending on when you're watching this, the 5th, that is Palm Sunday. So it's the day where Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. He is identifying himself as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Savior. Process through the, the teachings that we have in the gospel in that last week that leads to his arrest and to his crucifixion and to the resurrection. Everything that goes on in this week is identified, you know, culturally, traditionally as the Holy Week. So seeking the Lord and uh, praying about whether to do something for Good Friday or not. But what I felt the Lord leading me to do is to really spend that extra time this week reaching out to individuals, especially those of you who've been missing from the Zoom meetings and being able to see each other face-to-face. -face. Um, that's what the Lord's put on my heart, and I'm trusting that he'll, uh, he'll speak to you in regards to how he wants you to press into your relationship with him this week. Well, for today, we are going to continue our study through the book of Acts. So if you open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 15, before we jump into the word, as always, let's run to our great God in prayer. So, Father, we do, Lord. We run to you with our minds and our hearts and our mouths, Lord. We come to you boldly in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we are, we are looking to you in all things. Every single one of us right now, we are seated in specific circumstances. For some of us, Lord... We are overwhelmed by your comfort and your joy. And we know that you're right there with us, Lord. We're pressing into that. And, and we're finding special times of, of uh, spending time with you. For others, it's a season of fear or anxiety or stress. 
questions are being asked about where you are. There feels like there's more contention than, than comfort. And Lord, for those that are, that are sitting in the midst of that, that, that pressure and those trials, Lord, we're asking that right now that you would manifest yourself, that you would reveal yourself in the specific way that each individual, Lord, that they, that they need to sense you, that they need to hear from you, that they need to know that you're right there with them. As always, as we open up your word, Lord, we're asking for your Holy Spirit to teach us, to come upon our minds and our hearts and to lead us through your incredible word, Lord, that you've given to us as a gift so that we can know you, so that we can know how to follow you, so that we can know and how to, how to interact with one another as brothers and sisters, and how we can continually look forward to your soon return, Jesus. And that is what's on our heart. We're asking that... Um, that you would come quickly, Lord Jesus. We know that you're king, we know that you're sovereign, and we trust you, and we're looking forward to that day when we get to see you face to face. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, here in the book of Acts, last week we sat in chapter 15 where there is an internal conflict within the body of Christ. The end of chapter 14, you have Paul and Barnabas returning back to Antioch. They're, they're sharing all the wonderful news, all the great things that God had performed through them as the Gentiles and Jews are, are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and all the work that God is doing. In chapter 15, we have some from within the church that are um, they're standing on the side of legalism and the law, and they, they're saying that the Gentiles must be circumcised to be saved. And this leads into great... A lot of tension, so much tension there in Antioch that they send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. I want to read out of uh, Galatians chapter 2. It helps give us more flavor to what is going on there. Paul says in this letter to the Galatian churches, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went out by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I had I lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. This is important as we get into chapter sixteen this morning. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring them, or bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seemed to be something added nothing to me, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he, being God, who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised, also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars 
perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was also eager to do. I'm reading this because we're, we're going to press into Paul's personality a little bit more today as we continue in Acts chapter 15. And this helps give us Paul's perspective as, as these believers in Jesus who were of the sect of the Pharisees, who were coming and saying that the Gentiles had to be circumcised. Acts, Luke in the book of Acts tells us that they were believers, that they believed in the Lord. In Galatians, Paul says that they were false brethren. They came in secretly. They're spying things out um, uh, that they might bring us again back into bondage. And Paul says we didn't yield to them in submission at all. So we see how, how much tension was going on there. We have Paul's perspective. We have uh, Luke's perspective. And in that, ultimately, those who are pressing into seeking God through their own works and through their own merits, biblically, would be defined as unsaved, as outside of the body of Christ, because we only enter into the presence of God through the gracious sacrifice of Jesus Christ and our faith and our trust in him. This becomes important because as there in the letter that we covered um, last week in 15, as the church is sending representatives, they're sending Barnabas and Paul back to Antioch with this letter. They're also sending Judas and Silas with them to be witnesses to the letter and the decision and to give the church encouragement. We know from this passage too, earlier on uh, in chapter 13, Mark, when he departed from Barnabas and Paul as they were going into Turkey, he returned back to Jerusalem. But we know as we continue on here, that uh, Mark returns back with Paul and Barnabas. And this all becomes important because as we travel, as we continue to travel through chapter 15, it gives us some understanding of what's going on. And I've titled this morning's sermon, Comfort, Contention, and Cut. And there's three sections that we're going to travel through that'll, that'll all make sense as we go through. So Acts 15, verse 30, we're continuing the story. This is as Barnabas and Paul and others have traveled back to Jerusalem. So it says, when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they stayed for a time, they were sent back <clears throat> with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also." In this snapshot, we get this idea that as this group had arrived in Antioch, they're bringing contentious and divisive doctrine, and it's created uh, discomfort in the community. The Antioch church has sent 
people to Jerusalem so that these, these issues can be resolved. And they've been waiting. So we don't know how long this trip has taken. But the church there in Antioch, they've been waiting. And what, it, what does their conversation look like? What does their discomfort look like? Are they fearful that the men now need to be circumcised? Um, are they questioning their faith and their understanding in regards to who Jesus is? The gospel of grace that they've responded to? We don't know exactly what all that tension would look like in the church, but as Paul and Barnabas and Judas and Silas arrive with this letter, they're coming there with these words of encouragement, these words of comfort. And that's exactly, and so you can feel, you can just sense the tension roll off this community in the body. There's joy, they're rejoicing, they're happy, they're being comforted. As Judas and Silas are there in the community, it's, they're identified as prophets themselves. So not only are they brothers in Jesus, but they are divinely gifted by the Holy Spirit to come and to minister to the community there in Antioch. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, and they are in turn speaking those words of, of divine comfort and strength to the believers there in Antioch. And he uses these words that they were exhorting him. They were strengthening him. The same word that has been used multiple times in the last couple chapters in regards to the activity of the church stabilizing the brothers and sisters with many words. And this is something that I find fascinating. I find encouraging that wherever there is a healthy body of Christ, a healthy body of believers that are gathering together. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are in action. The Holy Spirit is there leading and granting gifts to men and to women. Those gifts are being used to serve their brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's always through the preaching of God's word, which is communicating the gospel about what Jesus has done, about who Jesus Christ is, not only what he's done in history, but his activity in our lives today as Lord and as, as Savior and in his return, all of this encompassing the, the preaching, the communication of the incredibly good news and gracious news about Jesus Christ. At the same time in these communities, just in ours, the word of God is being opened. It's being taught. People are growing. The body is being encouraged. They are being strengthened. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in action. And overall, in, this, in, this, in these few verses, we get that snapshot of comfort in the body of Christ. But even when there's incredible ministry going on, God is doing wonderful things in our midst and in the midst of, of the body in general, there's still going to arise contention in different ways. Let's look at these next verses here in verse 36. It says, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. 
And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commanded by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So here in a time where the body of Christ is healthy in Antioch, it seems like that there's wonderful things that are going on in the body of Christ between what I would consider best friends, Barnabas and Paul, there now arises a contentious relationship based upon somebody else and somebody else's behavior. So as we think about Barnabas and Paul and their relationship with one another, when Paul first comes to Jesus and he comes into Jerusalem, the church is fearful of him and they're questioning whether or not he's really part of the body of Christ because of his historical violence against the church. And Barnabas is that man who seeks Paul out and brings him into that fellowship and into the body there in Jerusalem. And as Paul is boldly communicating the gospel there in Jerusalem, violence is raising up against Paul, so much so that the church sends him back home to to Tarsus, back in Cilicia. And then as you travel down the road about a decade, there Barnabas finds himself in Antioch. And it's it's a wonderful ministry experience as he's serving the Lord there. There's so much activity going on. There's so many people to serve and to teach the gospel and the content of the gospel that he needs help. And the Holy Spirit places Paul upon his mind. And he goes and he gets Paul and he brings him back. And there they are together in Antioch. And it's Paul and Barnabas together that the Holy Spirit separates for the work that he called them to. And these two men with others, they go on this this first missionary journey to Cyprus and they're into modern day Turkey. And it's as they're going into Turkey, Mark, who is Barnabas' cousin, he leaves the work that the Holy Spirit had called him to. We don't know why, But we can fast forward to this scene and see now a few years down the road how vibrant those emotions are for Paul in regards to re-engaging with Mark in the work of the ministry. And again, we have to remember at this point, this isn't like just gathering together in our church building where we live in a Christian culture for the most part, um, the ministry here is they, these guys, uh, we have Paul's testimony about the beatings that he went through, about uh, you know, fear of robbers and uh, being cold and being hungry and times of plenty and times of lack. What they are doing is not easy. And when we engage in activities in life that are not easy, that are very difficult, we love to be surrounded by those that we would consider to be dependable. So as they step into this scene, and Paul, his his words are, his heart is, let us go back and examine and test, and not for failure, but he wants to go back to the communities that he's already been in twice to see how they're doing. And this is such, this is the heart of our Lord as a shepherd, as a pastor, this is, this is my heart and I know it's so many of your hearts that we want to reach out to others and how are you doing? That's a, that's a, that's a heavy question today. How are 
you doing? In your particular circumstances, as we sit in this new world, how are you doing? How are you doing with the Lord? How are you doing in the battles that you face every day? How are you doing in, in your household, in, in your marriages, in, in your relationships with your kids? Um, how are you doing with your job? And again, there's, there's every single one of us is going to answer that in a different way. But our Lord, as our shepherd and as our pastor, he is there to examine us and to... And to to change us and to transform us and to bring our minds and our hearts continually back to him that in the midst of those circumstances that we'd be focused on Jesus. But Barn- or Paul's heart here is, again, this is, this is the Holy Spirit in him. He wants to go back and see how everybody is doing because the circumstances that he left them in, um, some of those communities were difficult. And he wants to know how they're doing in their relationship with Jesus. It says that Barnabas here, that he is resolved in his mind that Mark is going to go with us. Paul in his mind, where it says that Paul, um, that he insisted that they should not take with them the one who departed, the one who abandoned them there before. That word insisted is Paul is looking at Mark and saying, Mark is not worthy to take. And Barnabas is looking at Mark and saying, I am resolved to take this man with us. But this tension, contention, is so sharp and divisive between Barnabas and Paul in regards to their perspective, their attitude, their heart, their understanding of Mark, that Paul says, absolutely not. And Barnabas says, it is an absolute must. And they go their separate ways. I don't know where you sit in your personality on who you think is right and who you think is wrong. Um, This is one of those things that if both men are being led by the Holy Spirit, can they both have diverging perspectives on Mark and both of them being correct and both be correct? And most would say no. Um, My heart, I gravitate more towards the side of Barnabas here. Um, Barnabas is an encourager. He comes across as a merciful guy. He comes across as, as a guy who wants to give people the benefit of the doubt. Paul, on the other hand, Paul comes across as a kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy. So many of you are going to line up more on Paul's perspective in regards uh, to Mark. I brought up <clears throat> Galatians 2 earlier. Because it gives us, <clears throat> excuse me, it gives us a further snapshot of just understanding Paul's personality. And not just Paul's personality, but what's going on there in the community of Antioch. In verse 11 of chapter 2, it says, when Peter had come to Antioch. So it seems that they've been there for a bit. And again, it's hard to line up the time on this. But at some point, Peter comes to Antioch. And it says that Paul says, I withstood him to his face. Because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. 
And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. And note this, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So Paul, again, his personality comes across as this no-nonsense, black-and-white kind of guy. Barnabas, it seems like he's more of a, a merciful, he's not just going with the flow, but he's trying to walk alongside of people in understanding. Uh, Barnabas here, he wants to be, he's pursuing mercy with Mark. Mark was young. Barna, uh, Paul is on that side where uh, Mark is not worthy. He comes at a risk in regards to the work that they're seeking to do. Um, and I don't know, again, where you line up in the balance of judgment on who's right and who's wrong. And I'm not sure that that's an important question to ask. But for me, the sadness of this passage is you really do have the best of friends between Paul and Barnabas because of another relationship in their life. The, the contention that wells up within them causes them to split and divide. Barnabas takes Mark with him and goes to Cyprus. We never hear about Barnabas again uh, in the New Testament, but Mark we do hear about. And what's wonderful about what we do hear about Mark later on is even out of the, out of the mouth of Paul in the letter to Philemon, he calls Mark a fellow laborer. In his letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, he says that Mark is useful to him for the ministry. So we see later on there is a reconciliation between Paul and Mark. We're never communicated whether there's a reconciliation between Barnabas and Paul. The assumption is, is that there was, but we don't know that for sure. And again, in, in the application point for this in our own life is in the body of Christ, there is going to be contention. You are going to have an absolute 180 different opinion and perspective than me on different circumstances or different relationships or different, uh, um, different ideas, whatever that may look like. We're not talking about doctrinal things, but we are talking about, and for these guys, they're talking about serving the Lord and what they believe is right for them to do and who is right for them uh, to participate in, those, in, in the work that the Holy Spirit has for them. So for us, I think there's, there's always a great um, caution and gentleness that we need to have towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. At the same time, we need to have Paul's perspective, that we need to have wisdom and understanding and be real about the work that we're trying to uh, do for the Lord's namesake underneath the power of the Holy Spirit, that not everybody in the body of Christ is called to do the exact same thing that you are doing. And in some of the things that the Lord is calling you to do, you may have others that want to join in where you would shake your head and say no. Um, and that's your perspective, and that's your understanding. But in all of this, we have to have great caution that we don't let those points of perspective become points of contention. I know what it's like to get into my flesh and allow a, 
uh, that contention to become very sharp and divisive. I know what it's like to have a different opinion than a brother and sister in Christ and have that opinion cause separation and fellowship even amongst friends that I've had. I know what it's like to be reconciled with those individuals later on down the road when, uh, you, when time happens, perspective changes, understanding grows, emotions calm down. Here, my heart is, you know, I want to always abide in that position of comfort where the Lord's word is being taught, where the gospel is being preached, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in action. We want to be in those times of excitement. But even in those times of excitement, here we have an example out of the word where we are real human beings in real relationships with very different backgrounds and very different understandings as we travel down the different circumstances of life. And in that, we need to realize and understand and press into that whole idea that we talked about last week, which we see here again at the end of chapter 15, that idea of commending and handing over ourselves to the grace of God and handing over other people to the grace of God. As we go into chapter 16, now we moved into this idea of cut. So chapter 16 says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region. For they all knew that his father was a Greek, and they went through the cities. They delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. I find this totally fascinating because we're sitting in the immediate context of of all that happened in Jerusalem, the letter that's being, that was written, that was delivered there to the believers in Antioch. Paul is taking that same letter and he's going into these regions and he's delivering that letter of encouragement and comfort to the Gentile believers in those communities. And yet we're told that he's, uh, he's introduced to Timothy. It seems like his mother, who is Eunice, that she came to faith in Jesus Christ on, uh, on Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. Here we're told in, uh, in, in the letters to Timothy that Timothy was raised being instructed in the word of God. But in his household, there's a division. His mother is a Jew and his father is a Greek. So he, in the community that he lives in, for, from the Jewish perspective, he would be considered not fully Jewish because he was not circumcised. And again, in this culture, kind of the, the way that the, that the father directed, it seems as though his dad prevented him from being circumcised. So as Paul comes into this community and he forms this relationship with Timothy and the desire is to bring Timothy along in, in sharing the gospel to the broader communities of where they're traveling, Paul knows that they're going to be interacting with Jews in these communities. Timothy is known to these Jews 
And Paul's heart in this is that Timothy would not become a hindrance for the Jews to hear about Jesus as Savior. So in chapter 15, we're dealing with that idea where the Pharisees were saying, you must be circumcised to be saved. That is not Paul's heart here as he's walking alongside of Timothy. And can you imagine this conversation that he was having with Timothy? Paul's heart is that Timothy would not be a hindrance personally to the communities that they're traveling to, that he wouldn't become a hindrance to those individuals hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. And this is this whole idea of cut. So cut coming from being circumcised. But the New Testament in many places tells us our necessity to be cut off from the old man. And that's a process that the Lord takes us through it's, he cuts off a lot of things from us in the very beginning as we continue to travel on in our relationship with them. He continues to carve things out of our life. But here, I think a prayer point is even as we sit in our relationship with Jesus today, is, is there anything that the Lord would have us allow him to cut and to carve out of our lives that may be a hindrance from somebody that we know, somebody that we're interacting with, um, that there's something uh, that we participate in or an attitude um, that is, is a hindrance from that person from hearing the gospel. We're going to end in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 because it, it communicates this, this heart even further. And this is, this is Paul as he's writing to the Corinthian church. And he says in 1 Corinthians 9 uh, verse 19, <clears throat> For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant of all that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law. Not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, is, uh, demonstrates self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should also become disqualified, be, be a phony, be a hypocrite. 
is we sit in, in this exhortation in Acts as the letter of comfort has come there to the church in Antioch. We watch the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit in individuals' lives as they're serving brothers and sisters, teaching the word, preaching the gospel, exhorting, strengthening, causing people to be firm, causing people to grow. We all need to understand that there will continue to be times of contention in our relationships with one another as brothers and sisters. And that we need to push into not being right. But I think that we need to press into thinking about and praying through how we can bring about healing rather than how we can, um, um, not that any of us are seeking to split and to carve out, but that we would have that heart focus of, Lord, when there is contention, when there is division, when there is a split, may, Lord, may you bring about that same restoration that we see between Paul and Mark later on. May you bring that about quickly in our lives. And as much as it has to do with me, Lord, uh, let me clearly hear your spirit speaking to me when I need to reach out and how I need to reach out. And then when it comes to this idea of cut, Lord, may you circumcise our hearts. May you truly cut away the flesh out of our lives, Lord. And those things that may be in my life that are hindering other human beings from hearing your gospel in regards to me, and it may not be today, it may be in later on down the road in the work that you're calling me to, Lord. Lord, I'm asking that you would carve out of my life and that you would cut out of, of me, from me, and in, in every aspect, those things that would be a hindrance, Lord, from you being glorified through human beings responding to your incredible grace and love and your life and your light. So, that's all I have to say about that. And I am, uh, I am personally, if you would be praying for me, I am, I am hearing from the Lord calling me to that, uh, that labor and that work of prayer. I don't know what that specifically looks like for me, um, but I don't want to be a prayerless man. I don't want to be a prayerless husband. I don't want to be a prayerless father or a prayerless pastor. I don't want to just come to the Lord superficially, um, but I want to come to the Lord in obedience as, he's, as he is leading me and directing me in prayer for, for whoever in our times. Um, so I'm asking that you would pray that for me um, this week, this upcoming week. For me, is a, it's a vacation from my normal job, but I am uh, seeking the Lord to, to lead me in what that would look like in my life. Um, as the Lord is directing you, I, we're going to have many opportunities this week to continue to engage with one another face-to-face uh, -face through Zoom. So I want to extend that invitation that everybody would participate as much as you're able to. But in those times of participation, um, what is it that the, the Lord is doing in your life? Are you comforted by him? 
Is this a time of contention for you? Are there things that need to be need to be cut out? Um, but I think the overall um, sense that I am having from the Lord today as I've been seeking him is to make the most of, my, of the opportunity to, that I have in the upcoming week to reach out, to comfort, to teach, to preach, to strengthen, to encourage. So I'm asking that you would pray that for me and know that I am praying that exact same thing for you as the Lord allows you to, to fellowship in different ways uh, through this time of distance, that God would truly work um, miraculously in your life and through your life as you just try to shine his love and his light in this, uh, in this dark season of our culture. I love you greatly. I miss you and looking forward to seeing you all on Zoom this week. God bless you in Jesus' name.